The Placing You First podcast begins in less than 20 seconds. Visit crcgroup.com to subscribe, download our award-winning tools and intel articles that help you stay aware of emerging issues and trends, or get a snapshot of the insurance marketplace with our industry-leading ready indexes. You'll find it all on crcgroup.com under tools and intel. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, at least 70% of companies are not compliant with the Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA for short. As a result, the Department of Labor has ramped up their wage and hour litigation in recent years. FLSA lawsuits have increased more than 500% since 1991. And those suits are costly. Settlements reached $449 million in 2019, and that was before the global pandemic. In this episode, we discuss wage and hour exposures with Allison Benda from CRC Nashville. She's a senior broker with over 16 years of experience dealing with Employment Practices Liability, EPL. That's all next right here on the Placing You First podcast. This is the Placing You First podcast. I'm Dan Wentz, and this podcast features news and insights from CRC's vast knowledge base of 2,000 plus associates who write in excess of $10 billion of premium annually. And we're giving you insider access to what's happening in our company and the types of insurance we place. This is the Placing You First podcast. Allison, you recently contributed to an article for us about wage and hour exposures. So we wanted to pick your uh, your brain on that a little bit and learn some more about it. So uh, could you tell us what it is? What is wage and hour and why it's so important? Sure. Thanks, Dan. So wage and hour insurance provides coverage for violations of the Fair Labor Standards Act, mostly referred to as FLSA. And the Department of Labor passed FLSA in 1938 to set standards for minimum wage, for overtime pay, and child labor in the workplace. So really, wage and hour claims were born out of this. Now, wage and hour is typically excluded from an employment practices policy. So it's important for those placing EPL to fill the gap because all employers have the potential for being sued for violations of FLSA. And this is exactly why the coverage is just so important because anyone with employees is susceptible to claims. And 2020 presented employers with several challenges from a wage and hour perspective, thanks to COVID. And it's proven even more why this coverage is just so important. What are some of the typical claims and settlements for wage and hour? Since FLSA was enacted in 1938, wage and hour claims have risen steadily. Uh, I found some statistics online that showed the number of 2019 cases that focused on minimum wage or overtime violations reached over 20,000 and resulted in payment of more than $225 million in back wages. Now, the average case settled for $8.2 million in 2019, which is substantially higher than the figure from 2018 of $5 million. Uh, the 20 figure, 2020 excuse me, figures have not yet been released, but I expect that that's gonna, those numbers are going to blow out of the, you know, the 2019 numbers out of the water, um, mostly due to the impact of COVID. And it's fairly common to see wage and hour claims in the form of class action lawsuits. Um, these suits are very costly, as you can imagine, and they pose a substantial threat to employers. For example, in 2016, there was a group of more than 400 Uber drivers in California who reached a $446,000 settlement with Uber to settle allegations of several wage and hour violations, things like non-payment of overtime, working off the clock, not being provided breaks, 
and not being reimbursed for job-related expenses. And in addition to this settlement, the company also settled an independent contractor misclassification suit for $100 million. So as you can see, class action suits and wage and hour violations can be very costly to employers. Oh, absolutely. I hadn't heard of the Uber one. That's a good one. So what are some of the most common allegations when it comes to wage and hour? Sure. Some of the typical allegations regarding wage and hour include the misclassification of employees, misclassifying them as exempt or non-exempt, or misclassifying them as independent contractors when they are employees. Um, And it's come to light that a lot of employers have misclassified employees so that they can uh, not have to pay overtime wages or minimum wage or pay other benefits. Um, Some other allegations include uh, wrongful deductions from pay or the failure of an employer to pay minimum or overtime wages. And in fact, this is the number one allegation when it comes to wage and hour. It accounts for over 40% of wage and hour violations. Uh, Some additional allegations include unpaid meal breaks or other rest breaks, improper timekeeping records, um, and then the failure to pay wages for off-the-clock work. So let's say you have an employee whose boss or supervisor asked them to stop by FedEx Kinko on the way home and pick up some copies, some photocopies. That's after-hours work. How do you pay them? Do you pay them? So this can be tricky. Yeah, yeah. So you may be uh, at risk for this and, and not even know you're, you know, you're at risk. Absolutely. What about COVID-19? I'm sure it's really complicated things in this world, huh? Oh, absolutely. So COVID-19 has certainly created some unique challenges to employers when attempting to stay in compliance with wage and hour laws. Um, There were significant developments that were made in wage and hour obligations for employers, most specifically, as you can imagine, related to work from home. Uh, The Department of Labor, they issued some guidance in several areas, such as compensation of remote workers, um, help with tracking employee hours, and guidelines on expense reimbursement for costs associated with remote working, such as internet usage or cell phone usage. And there was even several laws that were passed in both California and Illinois that required employers to compensate their employees for these work from home expenses. And I think that we can expect an uptick in wage and hour class actions this year due to the dramatic spike in telework in 2020. In fact, there were more than double the amount of employees who were working from home than those who were actually working on site. And I think that that trend will continue as more and more companies shift from an in-person environment to a work from home environment. When it comes to placing this risk, isn't it covered by EPL, by Employment Practices Liability Insurance? You know, a lot of people who aren't in this line of business or who don't place EPL on a regular basis tend to think so, but that's just not the case. Um, There's an FLSA exclusion on EPL policies, so coverage is only available via an endorsement. And there are only about one or two markets that I know of who will provide both defense and indemnity on that endorsement under their wage and hour coverage. Uh, The majority of carriers are providing defense cost only, and it ranges anywhere from a $25,000 sublimit up to $250,000. So it really depends on uh, the risk, the carrier, Um, There are standalone policies that are available. Um, They offer both the defense and the indemnity, but they are very expensive. Um, They're typically reserved for your Fortune 500 companies or larger because the the premiums start at a six-figure and the retentions can start anywhere from a million going upwards to five million. 
So these small or middle market companies, they just can't pay that for a standalone policy. Um, so they're really left with that endorsement, providing the defense cost only at a sublimited amount. And that plays into the uh, the next question, the size of business. Uh, does that affect the restrictions and the limits? I mean, you kind of touched on the limits there. If you're a small business, is it different than if you're a large business? Sure. I mean, size definitely matters. You know, we have a lot of carriers who will not offer the wage and hour endorsement to employers with employees of 200, uh, more than 250 employees. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a larger employer, um, it, it's difficult to find the coverage. Um, it also, jurisdiction comes into play. If you're in certain states like California, we mentioned that earlier, um, Illinois, uh, New York, New Jersey, Florida, these are really tough states from a wage and hour perspective. And a lot of carriers will not offer the coverage in those states. You also have industry. Think about the industries. Uh, You have hospitality, like restaurants, uh, retail, financial institutions, uh, manufacturing. Think of those industries that employ independent contractors or a lot of part-time workers. This makes it very difficult from a wage and hour perspective. So what about mitigating the risk? Are there any strategies for mitigating wage and hour claims? Yes, sure. So there's several steps that can be taken to help insureds mitigate their risk. I would say, first of all, take advantage of the state and local government self-assessment tool that's available from the U.S. Department of Labor. Go to their website, look for the wage and hour division and take that assessment. Um, Review exempt and non-exempt employee classifications on a regular basis. Make sure that you're updating or revising your job descriptions so that those are always accurate. Uh, Enact policies that prohibit off-the-clock work. Uh, regular, regularly review managerial practices to ensure that supervisors only encourage after hours work when it's 100% necessary and when they're doing so that they are paying properly for that after hours work. Um, insured should make sure that they understand the applicable state wage and hour laws and keep pace with local and federal changes such as the new guidelines we touched upon for COVID-19. And then finally, they should always consult with outside counsel to safely navigate all of the wage and hour issues. So Allison, when it comes to placing wage and hour uh, insurance, how does a CRC producer, how is a good wholesale specialist help you in this area? Sure, so I think it's so important for retailers to maintain strong relationships with a knowledgeable broker who has extensive marketplace connections and deep industry expertise. Um, you know, This can make all the difference when navigating the world of wage and hour. Um, you know, CRC has an exec pro practice where we share ideas and information on the latest trends in the professional liability area. And I'm not sure how many wholesalers can boast that collective brain power or the willingness to share among the group. So retailers really should not hesitate to tap into that resource. Absolutely. If you want more information, you can head to our website. We've got a lot of information up there, crcgroup.com. Look for the uh, Uh, Well, if you need to find a specialist in this area, obviously Allison is great uh, from our Nashville office and all her information is included in this podcast or on the YouTube video, however you're getting this. Check out the producer search at crcgroup.com. You can find somebody there. Any of our exec producers are going to be able to help you, our brokers. And also check out Tools and Incel, crcgroup.com. It's our our newsletter, our monthly newsletter we put out with a bunch of uh, great articles, timely, uh, just like this about wages. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been super informational, super helpful. Always enjoy having you on the podcast. Thank you, Dan.
Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Join Team CRC to gain access to best-in-class tools, data, exclusive programs, and more. Send your resume to resumes at crcgroup.com and read testimonials from our recent hires on LinkedIn. Search for CRC.